What is there to say? Be careful who you have kids this is the Be Careful Who You Have Kids With podcast with your Be Careful crew, Sep, Shamat, and Janella. We are here to share parenting and co-parenting information with a heavy emphasis on co-parenting. What's up, Be Careful family? Our topic for today is mental health as it relates to co-parenting. We want to offer a bit of a disclaimer for, to our listeners uh, talking about mental health issues and challenges or co-parenting with a co-parent that has an unaddressed mental health need can be triggering. And so we want to offer a trigger warning that if this episode um, is a bit heavy uh, or potentially triggering for you, that you maybe take a pause, come back and listen to it later um, when uh, when you reach out. And we also want to offer a disclaimer that there are if you find that you're in a mental health crisis either right now or you know someone who is uh, that you reach out to resources in your community um, and I'm sure you can Google search and find some of those uh, links in your uh, respective uh, communities uh, and that's yeah and I guess with that warning absolutely so with that said we've got some questions that we want to address today So how does having a mental health issue impact co-parenting potentially? Does it matter what the diagnosis is? Is it possible to know about a co-parent's medication requirements? What should you do if you uh, think that a parent is not taking their medication? Do you have to disclose your own mental health issues to your co-parent? And how do you discuss mental health with your children? It's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. And, yeah. and talking about mental health and co-parenting, talking about mental health, period, can be very heavy and can be scary and intimidating. But talking about it in regards to your co-parent or you co-parenting and then your children or child can be could add a level of alarm and discomfort to that and make it a more difficult conversation to have. So I think we should kind of just start at the beginning mm. and talk about what is a mental health diagnosis and what does that look like? And the first thing I want to kind of say is that there are not thousands, but hundreds of different mental health diagnoses. And the DSM, which is a a book psychologists and psychiatrists use to, and all mental health professionals use to kind of diagnose people. It used to be broken up into two kind of sets where you had access one and access two. Access one was like a major mental health issue. So major depressive disorder, generalized anxiety, mm-hmm. um, schizophrenia, bipolar, and then access two, they could call personality disorders. So narcissist, borderline personality disorder, dependent personality disorder, and they were kind of separate. And there are some differences in terms of like what the diagnosis is, but really with mental health treatment, it really depends on the severity of what someone's dealing with and and the, what was it so the next one i'm sorry i got a little bit like backtrack with all the questions um well you were you were you were setting the tone by defining right. and just you know starting with defining that we use the term you know somebody they got mental health issues or they got right. or we right. use cult you know culturally you may have a term that, well you know they got problems mm-hmm. right and we mm-hmm. and I, what i was hearing you do is like really frame it to say look diagnoses vary right, right. but they right. don't how it impacts your 
um, relationship with others depends on you know the, how you know what how what the symptoms is right and, and the what symptoms, symptoms how are they presented manifest, mm-hmm. right and so if all three of us were diagnosed with major depressive disorder we could still experience very different symptoms and right. still meet the same criteria for depressive disorder and if all of us are just sad low having a bad day it doesn't mean that we meet the criteria for major depressive disorder. Mm-hmm. So there are symptoms and then there's meeting the criteria and then it's the severity of the diagnosis, mm-hmm. all of which matters in terms of a person's ability to parent and to engage in co-parenting actively. Mm-hmm. So the I guess the main question you want to find out is if you are aware of what the diagnosis is and how it manifests in your co-parent and the best person to find that out from is your your co-parent yeah Yeah. not your friend who sees a therapist not your therapist not their therapist potentially but from your co-parent yeah and if and if we i don't want to jump ahead but i think if we if we normalize mental health diagnoses or mental health issues with that of medical issues that we all experience and, and, and face if your co-parent has a medical issue that you when y'all were together they weren't managing well and you had concerns about whether or not dad is on top of his managing his you know type 2 diabetes like mm-hmm. that also is something that you may want to have a conversation with your co-parent about instead of placing the pressure on the child to you know, investigate and figure out whether or not dad right. is, did I just mix up type type two? Type one, sorry, is the insulin dependent. Type two is mm-hmm. the, the, then you may want to have a conversation with your co-parent if you think that them being drowsy while driving with the kids is a result of, you know, not their insulin, you know, not having their levels being off. That's a conversation for your co-parent, not to ask your child, did, right. did you see daddy take his shots? Do you know if? Right. Putting your child in that position on, on multiple levels is, harmful and stressful to them yeah but these are really adult conversations you need to have with a co-parent to understand to the best of your ability and their willingness to share because i think Seth, one of the questions was like do you have the right to know about medication and all that right. and the answer is you don't have the right to know right um it's up to the co-parent to share information with you that they feel comfortable sharing with you and the more we destigmatize mental health the more willing people are going to be to share information about yeah. it because they don't want it to be used against them. Because a diagnosis, and you said this already, a, a mental health diagnosis does not mean a person is incapable of parenting or co-parenting, right? right? Just like there are medical conditions that there are some that can cause some serious concerns and limitations around your ability to manage and care and care for a child if right. there is a, an, a physical, a medical condition that impacts you, your physical ability to care for care. And there are mental health diagnoses and symptoms Absolutely. that can impact your physical ability to show up and be present. But the importance of being able to share and talk about that with your co-parent, um, like that's that piece around trust. Like it, it, yes. it, it's, if it's, if we're already at minimal to low trust, I'm probably not going to share my diagnoses because I don't know how it's going to be used. And it's going to be really hard for my co-parent to trust me if I'm now not sharing information. uh, You know what I mean? Because I'm worried about how it might be used. You don't want it weaponized. You don't want your diagnosis weaponized, whether it's mental health or physical. 
but there is more of a tendency for people to weaponize mental health symptoms in the court system than some physical ailments. True, yeah. Which is really unfortunate because it adds to that air of lack of trust and wanting to hide. Mm-hmm. Right. And then you're communicating to your children that, um, that this is something to be ashamed of mm-hmm. and that this right. is something that should be hidden mm-hmm. and you wouldn't want to communicate that right. to your children. Absolutely. Yeah. I think in many episodes we talk a lot about uh, not only the importance of communication with your co-parent, but but working on being the kind of co-parent that your co-parent could come to and say something that's difficult because you're not going to react um, really dramatically, that you're level-headed, that they can um, speak to you about something that is serious. And I would say this is tops the list of... Of serious, yeah. Serious. When you when you would want to make sure that if it is your co-parent who um, is is working through any mental health challenges, that you are the kind of co-parent that can um, be supportive, not only as a co-parent but for the benefit of your child. So that if if your co-parent, while your child was with them, had some challenge that there would be some sort of policy where there would be no judgment if they needed to call and say, hey, can you come, um, I need you to come do something or take the child for that. It, it's almost like with, with your kids, you always tell your kids if they're with a friend or if, whether it's a teacher or at a friend's house, if they ever feel uncomfortable for any reason, that they can let you know, they don't have to explain anything, they don't have to say anything, they just come get me, yeah. and, right? Like, there's no, there are no questions. I think it's important to have that sort of thing as well, which, again, like you were saying, Janelle, you can only really have that if there's that kind of trust. Right. right. And, and maybe even knowing something when you are in relationship with your co-parent, um, experiencing what you've maybe diagnosed yourself to be <laughs> a mental health crisis or an unaddressed mental health need, um, it's not a diagnosis. Right. And I think I, I, I say that because you can have that perspective about your co-parent and your co-parent can have that about you. And you don't want if we can stress anything, you, your cousin, your sister, your brother should not be diagnosing your, you know, your, your ex. Right. Or your co-parent. Right. right? And I'll, um, I'll even take it a step further and say if you are working with a therapist or a physician and you're sharing your experience of being with that person, they have no right to diagnose someone that they've never met or examined. So be careful of that too. Not You not diagnosing your, your co-parent, your auntie not diagnosing your co-parent, your therapist not diagnosing your co-parent right. because they're only hearing your experiences with that parent. They haven't actually done it directly themselves in terms of an evaluation or an assessment. So you want to be really careful with that. And particularly if we're using... An, an, once if it's wep- especially when it's weaponized i think if hearing or uh, assessing or diagnosing someone that you that you know helps you have more compassion for them or relate to them sure give it a try but that's not usually how we see it done i usually i hear um i'm co-parenting with the narcissist and this is how i know um these are the and so it kind of and then it limits your approach and it becomes very much this is because of this diagnosis. I can't co-parent with this person, and right. that's where the uh, uh, they're not. They're, it's not an actual diagnosis. It's your assessment or how your perspective of how you've been in a relationship with that person. But if you 
maybe that's a question then. Can me reading about loving someone or working with someone who is has a major depressive disorder, me reading about that makes me more compassionate for someone that I think might be depressed. Could be helpful if it's about compassion mm-hmm. and me like me sharing some tools or strategies. If that's where it leads you, but I think sometimes in in our work when we see co-parent conflict, it doesn't lead to a place of increased compassion. It it's often weaponized or it limits how the person how the person is willing to work with right. their co-parent right. because they've decided right. she's bipolar and that's why I I oh, can't, so can't many, go over there. So many bipolar diagnoses that right. are. And you know I think it's important what you said, Shamat, because reading about a diagnosis whether or not the co-parent told you about it or you suspect through your interactions that they might meet the criteria for something, educating yourself about major depressive disorder, anxiety disorder, bipolar, schizophrenia, I mean, narcissism is not a bad thing. I mean, always for people gaining more knowledge, getting a better understanding. Mm -hmm. I think it's important, but you can't, again, unless you've had a conversation with them reading about a diagnosis does not tell you how it manifests in that person's Mm. life. You can have a major depressive disorder and be depressed, but meet all the criteria for like anxiety as well. You can be depressed and almost like be catatonic where you don't want to get out of bed or take a shower, brush your teeth. You're missing work. You're missing class, whatever it is, or you can be depressed and quite functional. Mm -hmm. Um, Reading about it is not necessarily going to help you understand what's how it's manifesting for your co-parent and how it impacts their parenting. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's important that you educate yourself also, and I not, I don't want to jump ahead either, but educating yourself gives you information so that you can have a general conversation about what mental health is and isn't with your child or what a particular Ooh. depression or anxiety is, what it feels like in general. That's good. And with the awareness that if you're, co-parent does have a diagnosis genetically your child's predisposed to have that same diagnosis at some point in the future so educating yourself about the symptoms what some of the treatments are what the onset looks like can be important for you not only with your co-parent working with them but working directly with your child and getting them the help and support they may need at some point in the future Mm -hmm. that's a now that's leading with compassion because it's not about let me teach you about your your mama's problem. Right. This right. is in a general way. Let me t- let's talk about how depression looks across our family because I want to normalize right. that. Right. It, 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 we, we 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 may be predisposed due to my my grandpa's struggle. You know, and kind of mm-hmm. you know sh- like if we teach it that way or or, or learn with our children in that mm-hmm. way, like it it takes the stigma away. It takes the shame away. Right. Um, uh, or it can, um, that's, that's good. And it, it's no different than if you have type one diabetes running your family or high blood that's, pressure, yeah. you want to be careful about how much salt you eat or how much sugar, mm-hmm. all this stuff, because mm-hmm. it matters to your, the longevity in your health. Mm-hmm. Right. And then mm-hmm. you can start it as part of a, a larger conversation with your child about general health. You don't have to start with that. You could, you know, every once a week or on the weekend or whatever day it is, mm-hmm. Hey, let's go learn about this this health topic or this health topic and that can just be weaved in as part of a larger right. conversation right yeah and and y'all y'all correct me if i'm wrong because both y'all are parenting some lovely and amazing littles i think there are conversations already had in school 
right? Grade school, middle school, no, in middle school, talking about feelings and managing emotion, and talking Mm -hmm. about sadness, right? Talking about stress. Mm -hmm. That's right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I think my daughter's school uses it. Not she's older now, but they were using a color code. Like when Mm. you would check in at the carpet time, they would say, "What are you? How are you feeling today?" Mm -hmm. From like red, blue, green, purple, and each one labeled a different set of emotions. Right. So there's an age appropriate, so whatever stage your child is at, <laughs> if their school is already talking about feelings and how to manage feelings, particularly when we get into pre-adolescence and adolescence, like whatever proactive work you can do as a parent and co, you know, and, and that may benefit your co-parenting relationship is talking about managing feelings in the same breath of talking about managing mental health needs, right? Absolutely. Like that they are, right. and, and where that connection is could be. Absolutely. A... Brush your teeth mm-hmm. every day. Take care of your, your oral hygiene. Check in about how you feel, your mental health hygiene. That's good. Um, peer relationships, mm-hmm. all that stuff. It matters. Mm-hmm. So Eat kind your of vegetables. Exactly. Do all the, yeah, yeah. Meditation to reduce stress because hypertension runs in both sides of your <laughs> right. Your mama got hypertension. Your daddy got hypertension. We should be talking about how to manage stress. And that's good. And I think while you, you don't have to disclose to your co-parent, uh, your co-parent does not need to disclose to you whatever, any diagnosis, any health diagnosis of any kind, um, you want to definitely be the person that if they needed to, that they could. And then if you're the person who's going through something, talk to your provider about, you know, is there any danger of any kind that I should be aware of that I, you know, that you would recommend Mm -hmm. that I disclose anything or are there ways that I can manage it where that's not necessary? Right. Mm -hmm. And if if your child's coming back from a visit with their other parent and they're relating behavior to you that you're concerned about, I think the first thing you should do, we've talked about this before too, is go to... The other parent, go to your co-parent, you know, little Johnny is saying this and I'm concerned is, you know, can we talk about this and not in a harsh judgmental way, but in a way that is more supportive. Right. Yeah. Well, and that leads Seth. you, 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 you set the nail up and I feel like we're going to hit it on the, on the head again, that piece around disclosures though. That's so disclosing any, well, we talked about another pocket disclosing anything about your co-parent to the child w- without a conversation mm-hmm. or without being on the same page mm-hmm. as your co-parent just creates more confusion and stress for your child. Forget about us saying about is it good co-parenting or not. By the way, it's not good co-parenting. However, <laughs> but it's just stressful for your kid. Like, don't, you know, and so I think with a medical condition, with a mental health condition, and I, so we said self-diagnosing inappropriate having your homie diagnose inappropriate, having your mental health professional diagnose your co-parent inappropriate, but also you disclosing your assessment of the co-parent's mental health inappropriate with the kid. But also if you know that mom does have a, a major depressive uh, 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 disorder, a, a diagnosis, that telling the kid that is inappropriate as well, unless mom is, you and mom have talked about that, mm-hmm. um, or that dad's, Dad was previously diagnosed bipolar when he was also in college. And so you knew that because y'all met in college. Well, telling your teenage son that dad was bipolar in college, but that completely inappropriate. Um, even if you have concerns that it's manifesting or, or, or symptoms are showing up. And at this time, you would want to start by talking with um, your co-parent. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Like, again, having a general conversation about mental health with your child, you know, or teenager age appropriate is important, but then looping in your co-parent without their consent is completely inappropriate. Yeah. And it puts your child in the middle and no one, no kid wants that. That's stuck in the middle feeling. Mm -hmm. Right. And if we've had the conversation that makes it not be about shame, guess what? You've been talking to kiddo about mental health and feelings and checking in about feelings. So now kiddo can have a very natural and organic way if they feel a way or think that, you know, that seems, that has a lot of different feelings. Dad, can I talk to you about feelings? How awesome if that actually comes from the kid expressing, right? To, right. to not the kid's responsibility to hold or manage those things for, 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 for your co-parent, but that it can come from the kid having questions about uh, uh, um, dad's health and wellness, right? That our kids talking about enjoying talking to the therapist and I'm feeling really, dad, I get feel really stressed sometimes. And when you yell at me, like can really talk that through and maybe mm -hmm, can help right. um, dad disclose or share, you know, how, what some of his coping skills and strategies are or are not. <laughs> um, right, and it right. could be a learning, you know, learning opportunity for them together. Right. I do want to say, and this kind of circles back to something that Sep said earlier, is that when you have concerns, let's say your child's coming back with some serious statements, you and your co-parent aren't able to talk um, and really addressing, maybe there's like a trust, maybe this is a long history there where you don't, don't share information, so you're not getting information, and you have safety concerns about your child while they're at the other parent's house, I think you can come up with like, like, like you said before, like a rule that if you feel unsafe or something, right. set the parameters around that and give them the option. Let the co-parent know, even if you're not talking, let them know that this is what I've set up for our little one right. um, to be able to contact me if they feel concerned about this. But also you can, and I, I, I know I, I hate to say this, but you can go to court and you can ask for some oversight by a third party to make sure the other parent is in treatment, to make sure that they're getting some additional help if you have specific safety concerns. Now it is not easy. You're not gonna just file a motion and go to court and the court's gonna be like, okay, yeah, here you right. go. But it's a step if you have real safety concerns. And, I, and please do not take that lightly. Meaning that there are symptoms that of a diagnosis that all both that you are all aware of that when unaddressed, it impacts your co-parent's ability to meet the needs of your child. Those are real tangible things, right? If, right. if, 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 um, dad, and I'm going to butcher a diagnosis, but in the metaphor, as far as a medical condition, if dad is narcoleptic and isn't supposed to drive long distances and he has now moved from, you know, that's a two hour commute after exchanges, you know, kiddo saying that dad fell asleep twice while we were driving is concerning. And yeah. I probably, but guess what? You can safety plan, mm -hmm. transportate, you know, exchanges and hey, dad, are, are you, you know, you could talk to your co-parent, your ex about how they're managing their, 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 their possibility of dozing off when they're driving. But I think mental health conditions can be the same way. A bipolar, right. I mean, I don't know if I can, I won't, not specific, but there are cases I have read about <laughs> um, in which um, parents were able to reach agreements with one parent being schizophrenic, right? right? And realizing when there are kids who are a bit older, but they safety plan even when the child was younger to say, right. 
the kids were able to say, similar to dad falling asleep if he's narcoleptic at the will, if dad talks about things that aren't based in reality and the kids are going, oh, that's different for that. The mom and dad agree that the kids can call mom mm-hmm. or whoever else to say, I'm... Dad's talking about people that we don't see. And the the first imaginary friend story was make-believe, and that was funny. But Dad keeps talking about this friend, right? And that, that I've read cases where parents were able to mutually agree on that. Mm-hmm. And they put it in a court order. Uh, and also that Dad was to share uh, and update Mom about, you know, what, what his treat... Who was a part of his treatment team and that he was seeing someone regularly. Mom doesn't get access to all his records, but that he's showing that he's compliant with whatever the recommendations of his treatment team right. are. And that what I hear Dr. Street saying is that you can also go to court and get that put in an order. Yes, right? you like, can. And let's let's be clear, too, about what we're talking about when we say take care of kids. It's getting them to school on time, keeping them safe when they're at home, being able to supervise them so they're not like running out the door or you know juggling butcher knives. Mm-hmm. Being able to provide food, shelter, you're not putting them in danger, you're not driving, you know, 80 miles an hour, trying to get to some fictional event at two o'clock in the morning with your kid in the back seat, not buckled in properly. Like things that truly put your kid in danger yeah. or, or don't allow them to live healthy, normal lives, like going to school regularly, mm-hmm. pulling them out of school midday because you want to go to the mall and buy them skateboards. Like mm-hmm. that's not healthy parenting. Mm-hmm. So you really want to be clear. It's not that the co-parent's not doing what you want them to do, and the way you want them to do it is they are putting your child in danger or interfering with their ability to get medical care, education, etc. That's good. Good clarity. Yeah. You always hear these amazing stories of kids where they're with a parent and the parent has no known medical condition before this day and they're at home with mom and she collapses. And it was something that was completely undiagnosed and these heroic children call 911 or run next door and get a neighbor mm-hmm. and the parent is saved because a five-year-old has the wherewithal to get help um and so i think that it's i would say it's the same as far as both of you being on the same page with your child to talk about um you know if anything should happen are they able to get help whether it's call the other parent whatever it is whatever mm-hmm. way you guys both agree that they should get help and where they should go first mm-hmm. based on the circumstances having that conversation and like we said earlier part of a broader conversation of if anything happened um out of the ordinary what how do we handle this mm-hmm. right right that's actually a really good point yeah always bring the knowledge that we say mm-hmm. you just you Bring us back down. <laughs> we floating all of it. And, and listen, this is the concrete application right. to what we're saying. I right. received that. That's good. Well, then, can I ask? So, if we 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 we've talked about disclosures. I'm wondering that last question you said about the about the medication, though. Like, am I? Yeah. Do I get to? Know, I mean, so yes. In my head, I was talking all these things about you know disclosure and not. But if you know it. Like, how do you check it if you if, if you don't have to show or prove that you get a prescription? Like, I mean. So you, I don't think, unless there's a court order that says a parent is supposed to be following this particular regiment, which in my experience, I've been doing this for a long time, is rare. rare. Yeah. You don't get to find out whether the parent is on or off their medication. Mm. And medication, just like, you know, high blood pressure medication and diabetes medication, 
medication for depression, anxiety, schizophrenia, bipolar, it all has side effects. People interact with it differently. People have different feelings about it. So some people get on it, stay on it for years and that's great. Other people get on it and off of it several times in a year um, or just don't like it for whatever reason and say they're gonna take it because something happened and then they don't. You don't get to make that choice for them. So do you get to know what kind of medication they're on? No, because even if you know, they were on something last year when you guys were together, there's a good possibility they're not still taking that or mm-hmm. they're prescribed something different for a variety of reasons. Yeah. Um, and what happens if a parent does not take their medication? Varies depends. as well. Yeah, yeah. it depends. Yeah. It varies. So it could be you would never know, no big deal, to their symptoms start to manifest in you know uncomfortable ways for them and for your child. And then you have to take steps to try to keep your child safe. Well, and then do you get updated? Because mom might have started some new hypertension medication that makes her drowsy. Right. And you don't even know about that. And now she's doing the two-hour drive. Right. Because you know about dad's narcolepsy, but not narcolepsy, but not about mom's uh, new medication. So, yeah, that's right. a... Um, oh, we go back to the trust piece, though, right? Like, if, right. If, yeah. if, if you, as a parent, like, you, if you... The person you're co-parenting with, you know, the idea that you trust and believe that they would not make decisions that place the children at risk for harm mm-hmm. um, is that if that's where you're at with the co-parent building from there. And if you hear something odd that you if that right. were swerving, I'm not jumping to the assumption that mom's swerving because she was drinking too much. I should say, hey, the kids said that, you know, they <laughs> they had to wake you up while driving the other day. Is everything mm-hmm. OK? Right. Like having a conversation about that without blaming and attacking you know what, right. the, what the hell were you right. doing what the heck heck hell can i say hell i can't <laughs> we remember we, we, say hell. we did say explicit i don't know if hell is explicit but we can say it hella <laughs> the other thing i think is important is if you are the person that has a mental health diagnosis and you're taking a new medication you're not sure how it's going to affect you then use your community of network and resources get a ride have your mm. your sister or your mm-hmm. brother or your bestie help transport the child Mm -hmm. um don't i mean even if you don't trust your co-parent try to build a network where people you can trust to help you out to provide support for you if you're struggling with mental health issues and you feel like you might be missing on some of your parenting responsibilities maybe have your your aunt pre-cook several meals when it's going to be your week to have your kid that way you know your kid's going to have food to eat even if you can't kind of muster up the energy to cook every night. Also, if you don't if you don't trust your co-parent maybe with driving, we're talking about driving. Fine, but you do trust them at the house with the kids. For what whatever reason you have different trust issues in different areas. Okay, so drive. Bring them. <laughs> right. It, it's not convenient, but if your child's going to be there anyway, right? Mm-hmm. And you are have a concern about your child's safety in the car, then drive. Right. And if you have the resources, you can hire a nanny or a childcare provider that can help with transportation or help the other parent or help yourself provide childcare when the child's in your care. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Essentially you're supporting your child's ability to have a relationship with their other parent. Mm-hmm. That's what you're doing. So that's not always going to be convenient. It's not going to be convenient all the time. And regardless of whether they have a mental health diagnosis or not, it's important. Yeah. It's mm. important for their individual development to have a relationship with both parents. Right. That's good. 
You guys didn't see that, but Shema put up the fist. Right? <laughs> I, I like that. <laughs> well, <laughs> y'all are hilarious. Does that need to be a thumbnail? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's hilarious. Fight on. Fight on. And it's, you know, that, that was solid. That's what you say. That was solid. And on that note, y'all, we're going to go ahead and take a break. And we will be back with our... Subscriber questions. Hey everyone, this is Janella from Be Careful Who You Have Kids With. I want to talk with you about introspective, comprehensive co-parenting. I know that's a mouthful, so I call it ICC for short. ICC is a live virtual co-parenting class that teaches you how to regulate your emotions, focus on your parenting goals, improve communication, and resolve conflicts with your co-parent. Co-parents are never enrolled in the same class, so you can focus on your thoughts, feelings, and emotions. To learn more, go to iccparenting.com or give us a call at 800-498-9838. Again, that's iccparenting.com. All right, so next up we've got subscriber questions. And first up, we've got Rowan. Rowan says, my ex knows that I was diagnosed with depression while we were together. She won't let my daughter stay overnight with me because according to her, I can't take care of them. If I take her to court for more time with them, will my depression be an issue? Oh, we were just talking about weaponizing mental health diagnoses. Rowan, I want to tell you that it shouldn't. And it shouldn't be weaponized in that, uh, uh, I want to tell you that, and Dr. Street is over here giving me side eye, right? <laughs> what I, I often want to say a lot of things, I think, that are not accurate and true. Uh, it's possible, Rowan, that it could be brought up, but it's, if it's, a, um, it's possible. Let me say that. It shouldn't be the focus of your, 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 your custody dispute um but it can be used it, it, you know i don't know your co-parents level of concern and what um behaviors have have presented that may cause them to be concerned about your ability to meet um your your child's needs what's baby girl's name he didn't they didn't say rowan no. it's yet yeah, baby girl okay. daughters. Daughter. daughters. oh daughters plural oh. sorry thank you dr street why would why would you give me that side eye because though? i'm you know Rowan, I'm going to be less optimistic than Shemont was just in his response. If she's telling you now that she won't let your daughter stay overnight with you because, according to her, you can't take care of them, and it's the reason she thinks you can't take care of them is because you have been diagnosed with depression in the past, it's definitely going to come up. Because mm. when, when you put in your request for more time, she's going to say no because he has a history of depression, and she may fabricate half of your quote unquote symptoms or she may bring up you know things that happened in the past she may embellish who knows what she's actually going to say or she may say things that are factually accurate in her response but she will make it an issue what we don't know is how much weight the court is going to put on that and that a lot of that depends on how realistic her concerns sound in her response to your request for more time Mm. And what well, can I add to that? Because I also would say, Rowan, then what if not to jump to solutions, but if 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 what she's bringing up in court is that you have 
an unaddressed mental health need, which you can silence some of that noise with is information that says, no, it is addressed. Like I am working with, and I'm calling it noise, meaning if there is drama or something that's fabricated or not true, or you feel like mom is, you know, making more out of this, out of a past diagnosis, you could come to court already with documentation of who you're working with and, and, and what you're doing to manage your mental health needs or, you know, um, an assessment that you've completed recently. There are other ways that you can show that or that you're being proactive and that you acknowledge because there's not shame around it, that you have been diagnosed with depression and this is how I'm managing it. And it does not interfere with my ability to parent. Here are the things that I manage um, and maintain throughout my day and why I believe I can continue to to be an appropriate and caring parent overnight with my daughters. Yeah, the one thing I think that is in your favor, Rowan, is that you said that you have apparently you have the children during the day for some period of time. So with the mother's not letting the girl stay overnight, and my question as an evaluator or a mediator would be, well, what at what point is, what's the mother's specific concern that you can watch them during the day when they're and active and mm-hmm. doing things, but you can't watch them or be the caretaker when they're asleep? Or when they wake up in the morning. So mm-hmm. what's the difference? I would really want to know more about what her specific concerns are regarding your depression and not having the kids overnight. Because if you're seeing the girls during the day, and I don't know how long you're seeing them, but to me that would be more of the concern that you couldn't handle them or manage them while they were up and about doing things. Maybe you, she's concerned about supervision. But if it's at night and you're just putting them to bed and they're asleep, I'm not sure what her concerns would be. That's a good point. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. I'm thinking... If you already are seeing them, then what? What's the issue about more time? And I guess maybe that is it's it's overnight. So um, it could be that she just doesn't want them to be uh, with you overnight for likely. whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe have a conversation with your co-parent and and find out at least try to find out if you're especially if you're planning to go to court so that you're pre- you're prepared for what she will say her concerns are. Right. But to answer your original question, from what you told us, yes, your depression will be an issue if you go to court because she's going to make it an issue. Mm-hmm. And to to what you just said, except if it go, except you say this, I feel like in each episode, talk to your co-parent. The other, I mean, you're right; it could be avoided whether you agree or not, Rowan. If you about her concerns, if you start by just being curious, without attack, without defense, or not creating conflict, but just say, hey, I hear there is some hesitation that you have around us progressing to overnight. Could you tell me more about what your concerns are? And maybe there, because maybe there's some planning y'all can do to help alleviate that worry for for her. Um, And maybe you hear from her and they're non-negotiables that you you don't agree with any of what she's saying. Um, But you can still do some things that makes overnights happen sooner than you going to court. Right. If she says she wants a, a bedtime call every single night that they're there and you're like, mm, that's a little invasive because I want to do bedtime. Start, just do the bedtime calls because then you right. can start overnights right. next weekend. Right. Um, right. But if she, you know, if she wants to talk to your therapist to prove, you know, or whatever, to know these things. Sure. That may be like, OK, I'm not willing to give that. But right. figure out, you know, what is it that you could do that would make her agree? Right. And an overnight could maybe potentially be a shorter time period, like an early morning pickup or something mm. to where, uh, you know, until you're both more comfortable. It could be a concession that you decide, not, not that you're required to or you should or you have to, but that you 
decide to make to just move things along. Good point. Yeah. yeah. Compromise, communication, go a long way. Can go faster than court, I'll tell you that. Yes, it'd be a lot cheaper. <laughs> a lot cheaper. Yeah. All right, so next up we have a question from Danica. Danica says, my son's father has been acting odd. My son says he doesn't sleep, and yesterday he showed up at my house with boxes and boxes of toys, clothes, and diapers, and suggested we get back together and move to Italy. I am married, and he knows that. Plus, he has never been to Italy. Should I be worried? Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Danica, I, I, in reading this, I mean, I if that's not his typical typical behavior, that would be very odd. Um, but I think starting with having a uh, so yes, should you showing up with gifts and diapers um, alone isn't necessarily worrisome. If your child is uh, twelve and does not use diapers. Um, <laughs> different concern of what are like, like, why are you at, you know, um, but the, you know, I think starting with still having a conversation and be like, Hey man, this is some behavior that's really out of the ordinary. Is everything going okay? Like you, what are you talking about marriage? Like, you know, we can't get married. Could also give you another, another view and having a conversation that's not connected to I think you said this is odd hours of the night that he showed up. Was that? Uh... Oh, he's he's not sleeping at night. He's oh, he's not sleeping. Okay, he didn't show up at your house at night. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I would, I would, I would start with the conversation and maybe even a couple to kind of get a feel and a read on how he's presenting when you when you when you speak with him. Um, yeah, I, I would agree. Because when I was looking, I was like, it sounds like maybe a manic phase, but it also sounds like maybe a cocaine phase. Or some other... Well, I could name several of them. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it could be a couple right. of them. Yeah. Right. It could be any number of things. It doesn't necessarily yeah. have to be a mental health diagnosis per se. But any odd behavior like this that's a real shift in their in how they're presenting, put it that way. You should be concerned about worried, maybe a little strong, but concerned enough to probe, get more information from, from them. If you have resources, like maybe if you are in touch with his mom, his roommate, his whoever... Maybe checking with them if possible. Yeah. I'm wondering if that's, if that is in fact unusual behavior for him. And the only reason I say that, when I first read this question, I was thinking, okay, yeah, that's really unusual. Then I thought about it again. I'm like, well, I do know people who are, are more in the habit of making grandiose gestures <laughs> than other that, yeah. than other people that, you know, I might consider inappropriate, but they think it's romantic and they think it's this. And I was almost thinking about the that movie Love Actually when the ex comes to the door and holds up the signs. You guys, I was just yeah, gonna say, and right, she's right, right. in the place with yeah. her yeah, new yeah. husband, new, yeah. right? Which and you didn't think in that movie. You just thought, okay, what are you doing, right? Yeah. So yeah. I guess I was thinking, if this is completely out of character, maybe that's cause for concern, but. Also, you have to think about, is this his... part of, you know... Has he been hinting that he wants you back? Exactly. Right. Like, is right. this really all completely out of nowhere? Um, or, or yeah. Well, I was going to say, Dwayne, I'm going to go back. There was a show called Different World. I'm not going to age any of us that we all used <laughs> to watch back in the day. And Dwayne, you know, came and got Whitney from the... Uh, That's right. 
from 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 right at at her wedding, right? right? And had right. this grand gesture to say, you know, Whitney, will you will you will you marry me at her at a wedding to another? So it's if it's odd, you know, that wasn't odd for Dwayne and, and Whitney's relationship. This may be odd <laughs> right. for yours, uh, Danica. Uh, it may be, and for those of you who do not know what a different world is, um, I'm sorry. Yeah, exactly. Look it up. It's great. Look it up. Good Look entertainment. It up. Good wholesome <laughs> entertainment. Yeah, I would. Yeah, but if. Uh, definitely check in and and maybe gently communicate that that's not appropriate. Mm-hmm. Get uh, more information. Get more definitely. information. Yeah. It's probably more appropriate if he has those feelings that he perhaps talked to your spouse first and not to you. Like, is that is that the <laughs> correct line to communicate? I don't, I don't no? know, because he's in a space where that might lead to more More cocaine drama. use. Yeah, yeah, we don't want... More yeah. Office, yeah. yeah, odd, odd we, behavior. We don't want to do that. Well... And I guess the the other well with both of these I guess we will I make light make light and joke about it but to also name um, Danica it, it could probably be really scary to have a co-parent uh, show up and behave in ways that are very odd and different and your kiddos still <laughs> going to spend time with that parent so um, with that I, I love the idea of, of reaching out to your shared connections to see what people's read our, you know, what they're seeing and experiencing with him. Um, And to tie this back to our theme, I hope that as listeners, you all are are getting from this episode is that we really, really, really want to normalize the reality of um, mental health wellness, care, uh, and treatment, and that, um, you know, it doesn't need to be shame attached. Right. Um, And um, having a mental health uh, illness doesn't mean that you don't that you can't love on your kids and that you can't be a, a, a healthy and responsible parent. So absolutely, I want that to be the the take home. Yeah. For co-parents that have a mental health diagnosis and co-parents that are working with someone, a co-parent that has a mental health diagnosis. Right. That's good. Well, and on that note, we want to thank you all for listening. Uh, this ties up our episode. For this listening podcast, join us on our next one, and we'll see you. See you next time. See you soon. Bye. What is there to say? Be careful who you have kids with. Hey there, be careful who listeners. We want to invite you to vote for us as your favorite podcast on pod.org. That's P O D B O. A-R-D.org. We enjoy having you as listeners and would love for you to help spread the word. Thanks.